Welcome back to the Chicas Who Read podcast, where we discuss text and film through the lens of a history major and an artist. What comes out of our discussions may not give definitive answers to the things we speak about, but who cares? The objective is to have a dialogue around the things we find interesting, confusing, and exciting in the films and texts we read into. For today's episode, we will be discussing Roma, which is a film by the director Alfonso Cuaron. So apart from directing this film, he has uh, directed Y Tu Mama Tambien, Children of Men, which I know is one of Jess's favorite films. Hell yeah. And I didn't know this. I actually found this out when I was uh, researching him. He directed Prisoner of Azkaban, uh, oh. the Harry Potter film, which is like my favorite. Oh, what? Really? Yeah, my wow. favorite out of those films. And I know it's a lot of people's favorites. That's funny. Yeah. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So have, is uh, Children of Men the only... Yeah, that that's the seen. only um, Alfonso film I've seen, and it's there's a lot of similarities. That's what I was going to ask you. Film. Yeah, yeah, the, just the way that it's filmed, and well, we can get into it later. But there's a lot of well, similarities. no, no, no. I wanted to. Yeah, that's what I you wanted. Hear about it now? Yeah. Okay. Um, I guess I can start off with just the way that it's the the camera work. Um, there's a lot of long takes in Children of Men, which. I don't know yet if we're going to do an episode on this movie, but if we do, we can talk more about it um, in that. But there's a lot of long takes that include a ton of details in the background. Like, you have to constantly be looking at the background and then looking at whatever is happening in the foreground to get the whole picture. And that's exactly how Roma is, too. And they both have historical references in the films, which I absolutely loved. And so that being one of the only films that I've seen by Alfonso, I was like, and then and then now Roma, and seeing the similarities in that, and seeing just kind of like the themes, the, yeah. the recurring themes, I'm like, maybe I should watch more of his films. <laughs> yeah, I really wanted yeah. to watch, I wanted to watch Itu Mama Tambien, I just never have, because... I know it's on it, Netflix. Yeah, yeah. It's on my Netflix list, for sure. <laughs> we should ha- we should just have, like, one of his nights just watch all the Yeah, all the right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think I wanted to ask you one more thing about Children of Men. Oh, right, because it's, it's uh, based in the future, right? Damn, I forgot. <laughs> oh, no, man. yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen that movie, but I think so. Because this one is set in the yes, 1970s. So yeah. So I wanted to see, like, how he portrays those events like because you said he uses uh points of reference and yeah history. so in the in children of men um one of the references that really sticks out to me is the abu Ghraib um torture and prisoner abuse um so there's like a point in the movie where he's on a bus and he um, the main character, sorry, not Alfonso. Um, and he's going to a refugee camp because he's trying to escape um, with someone. And then there's, I don't know if you heard, like, I don't remember what 
this was like in the 2000s, I think. It was during the Iraq War, and there was a lot of reports of like soldier torture and rape and all of that. And then there was this viral photo of this guy who had on like a, it was, it almost looked like a, a KKK type of hat and it just looked it looked gruesome yeah um and he was being tortured and so that same image of that viral photo was in the background of of the film yeah so like something that um and I don't really remember when um Children of Men came out but something like that was being referenced in a movie quote-unquote about the future so I think it's really interesting that with Roma and in, in Roma's uh, example, it's set in the seventies, and it that is referencing the, like one of the historical references that I caught on to, was the student protests yeah. at the Socalo, mm-hmm. and so those happen like the the one that it referenced whenever they the, the um state crime like they started attacking the students was in 68 and so that's very like a very timely yeah reference but I think for children of men the reference of the torture and then all of the refugee crisis going on um I don't think it served as like I don't think it served as a point of like painting a picture of what was going on at quote-unquote that time in the future but it was more of like here are these methods of torture that are super inhumane and that are like that have happened in real life that are like when you watch that film you're like wow this is horrible like how could how could people treat people <laughs> yeah. this way like whatever you know um but, but it's actually these are, happening yeah, yeah these are real things that have happened so I just find that so fascinating that he has done both of those things in both movies. Um, and they both look beautiful. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like, just the attention to detail with... And, and long takes, I would assume... Like, I do photography and video, and I'm really bad at video, but I kind of ride that wave of, like, yeah, I'm bad at video, and my videos are bad, but that's my style <laughs> type yeah. thing. Um, but... Like, I, long takes, I just can't imagine how much work and detail goes into getting that one yeah. perfect shot. Because you have just one mm-hmm. shot to give your viewer all this information, and it's continuous, and, like, it can't be messed up. And just, like, sometimes in the most, like, heart-wrenching scenes, too, like, when, um, when Cleo is giving birth, like... Oh, my God, That yeah. long take right there, and you have, you see, like, the, the juxtaposition between a living and breathing mother and then a dying child in the background yeah and just like their heads are both facing the same way and you have like the background is blurry it's kind of uncertain like you don't really know what you're gonna see and then Cleo is like very present like in the moment and then like you you hear the doctors just like talking anyway like yeah all that stuff like wow it's just yeah like everything is so subtle it like noise wise because everything mm-hmm. is just yeah it's kind of like in the background and you feel like you're yeah throughout the entirety of the movie even when it starts where she's washing the the mm-hmm. cement oh I, I literally it took me back to being in Mexico and seeing my grandma like uh 
doing that to the cement because yeah. I thought it was so strange. Like, why would you clean the cement? Yeah. But as soon as I saw the water, I'm like, oh, that's what she's doing. And you don't even, like, if you're Mexican or if you, like, your grandma does that, you know, mm-hmm. you, it's, you can totally, you will exactly know exactly what it is yeah, because of the, the force. Because yeah. of the noise. And you don't even have to see the action being done, but just that. The sound Recall of the wet of memory, room, yeah. Just like scraping up the floor. Yeah, because you know exactly what that sounds like. Yeah, and it's like that multiple times in the film, and you just feel like you're in it because I those long shots. Like one of my favorite shots is uh, when she's gonna go see Fermin. Oh in my the, god! I know I, I hate, hate him. him. <laughs> he's a douchebag. <laughs> he sucks. He's oh, awful. he's such a weirdo. <laughs> yeah, he he truly is. He really is. But uh, when she goes to that small uh, mm, pueblo, mm-hmm. and then uh, I think this is where she's about to see him, like with those fifty, like fifty men, like martial arts yeah. type of training. But she's yeah. she's walking. Oh, actually, no. Sorry. When she gets off the bus, this is yeah. This is prior to to that scene. This is when she's looking for the cousin, and she's walking towards just in the middle of these huts, and even in the initial shot, you don't even see her. You just see like the, all the background and then a noise and then uh, I'm like, where is she? And then and then as soon as I think that like oh she's coming into the shot and I'm like, this is like I'm here, you know I'm in yeah the, I'm in this film yeah and throughout all of it and I think that's why it's even like those heart wrenching moments like you're more in it and oh this movie yeah was just amazing in that and it just made you feel more because it was so subtle like which is crazy like yeah. there's very little dialogue. And, yeah, all the noise. And, uh, yeah, it just makes you feel very present in there. Yeah. And even, it's it's so stripped down. It was in black and white. And Well, I was thinking about that, too, because um, it just seems strange to me that it was in black and white. But just thinking about how this is a retelling of Alfonso's childhood. Because, um, I guess, spoiler, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, I don't know why anyone hasn't seen it yet. It's, <laughs> it's on Netflix. It's, yeah, it's on Netflix, and um, a lot of people have seen it. But um, Gleo is his I like, guess, yeah, real yeah. life made, not not the character, but it's a retelling of his childhood. And so I think of, uh, like, whenever I was thinking about why was this film in black and white, well, that could be a possible... Um, explanation that black and white is like when you think of like um, old movies or um, just like thinking of of the past and memories like you don't really those things aren't portrayed in color mainly black and white very nostalgic too so yeah I mean I thought about that too and well, I, I had, um, I watched a lot of German uh, cinema recently this last semester, and this documentary had came out, and this woman chose to do it in black and white mm-hmm. also, and and it's cool because they're kind of correlate in that they're both telling women's stories, because uh, that documentary was all about just sharing women's real-life working women's stories, um, and it, this is kind of like the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and they were both in black and white, but I think it speaks to just kind of, like, sh- again, stripping down, like, mm-hmm. how movies tend to portray women, especially in those black and white films. That's just, just um, a point of, like, visual beauty. And, yeah. And, yeah, these these films aren't that. 
even though it is very beautiful, they're not the focal point. And the only nudity that we did see in this film was a guy. Yeah, what's been mean ugly <laughs> penis. I hate him. But I think we should, yeah, you, I mean, this is kind of late into the podcast, but I guess we should do, like, a sm- short synopsis. I know, right? We just got really excited yeah. we jumped in. But uh, Roma basically tells the story of Cleo, or Cleo, who is a, an indigenous woman from Oaxaca, uh, which, like Jess said, uh, was the director of Alfonso Cuaron tried to capture the essence of his nanny growing up in Cleo's character. And as the viewer, you can really tell the care that was put into the making of the character. Um, and though she is a maid whose story is not meant to be told, because society tells us mm-hmm. that these people shouldn't matter to you. They're the background characters. They need to stay in the back. Like, no, actually, every other, the people that had money, even the revolution, they were all like, they all took a backseat to Cleo's story. And as the viewer, you feel more invested in her. And again, I guess that just speaks to how much he really loved his nanny. Um, because she was the main focal point of this of this film, and I loved it. Um, I wanna, I want no, I wanna know your emotional reaction to this film. Mm. <laughs> um, I didn't have a very strong emotional reaction to it. Yeah, I. For me, honestly, it was. I mean, I know the film is meant to be kind of sad. Mm-hmm. Um, in the well, actually, I don't know if it's meant to be sad. And initially, I did think, I did think so. Because it is, you know, very muted. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she she leads kind of a sad life. Well, just from normal um, standpoints, you know. Like, oh, you're supposed to be the one with money. You're supposed to be trying to be successful. And you see her, like, she's content with just, like, mm-hmm. living her life. Um, and taking care of these kids. And, you know, raised in America, you know, you're always raised to being like, I want to be the best, and no. Mm-hmm. But actually, like, I've met tons of people who are completely content with, like, living the the life that they're leading. And she, as Cleo, the character, was probably super content in, like, what she was doing. She probably loved that family. I was very happy. Because I, I, know, I know my mom is very much like that. And I'm like, well, when she speaks about us, and I'm like... <laughs> You know, and not to make my mom feel bad, you know, but um, I'm like, mom, you never wanted to do more. She's like, no, I love you guys. You know, like you, you are my everything. And Mm -hmm. I guess I don't understand that because I don't have children. But but I guess like in a way, that's how like Cleo feels about like the children she's raising. You know, like Mm -hmm. these are my children and I'm totally happy with raising them and being there for them. Yeah, because even then the I when you said that, I remembered the scene where she found out that she was pregnant and she went to I forget the name of the the wife but she went up to her and and told her hey I'm pregnant and she like started crying um I guess because it was a real threat to her job and therefore her income or it could be interpreted as like she really enjoyed her job but yeah yeah I mean, it could be either or. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you would go through great lengths to keep the, the steady job that you have. And yeah. You have nothing. But even, I mean, and you don't, it's weird. Well, not weird, but, again, it just speaks to the the storytelling of Cuaron. 
that he were so invested in her life and as a character. But we don't really sorry. <coughs> we don't really know anything about her. We we know that she well, they t- they speak about her mom, but she doesn't really want to go see her. Mm-hmm. It's like very briefly in there. Um and it's just like, oh, like, but why doesn't she want to go see her mom? But she still is very connected with her indigenous roots because she speaks with the with the other maid in her native language. And so I really enjoyed that, how that was portrayed in the film. And even, oh, my God, when the initial scene where the little kids is like, what are you saying? Don't talk like that. I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm like, that is such a call to, to just even American people being like these these. Um, well, they call us all Mexicans, so yeah. these Mexicans <laughs> shouldn't speak Spanish. We're we're in America, and I was just like, <gasps> but there, yeah, there's a lot of that in this film, uh, yeah. Which I also wanted to get into, like, what do you, like, a lot of it's referencing. Of course, this film is made in the '70s, but it's definitely referencing like what's going on in today's culture and that the whole building a wall you know, making a statement against that and sharing sharing a story about Mexicans, you know? Mm-hmm. Even though they they aren't painted in a really well light in this film. What's your question? What do I uh, think about that? Yeah, like, um, do, you, do you have another point of reference where it's, like, calling back to, like, to current times? That you can think of? Not really. I mean, no. I think you can, you can plug in her story of, of course, pushing aside the cultural background and just the story of like being a maid, um, in a rich household, where sometimes you're appreciated and sometimes you're not. Um, you can kind of plug that into maybe any other place where rich people employ people of color to work for them and clean up after them and wash their dog poop from the driveway. Uh, You know, like, um, I didn't really, really the only reference that I was able to, um, recognize was, was that just the, the Socalo shootings, Mm -hmm. um, and that was pretty much it. But I, what do you, what do you mean by like, I want to know what you think. Like, what do you mean by referencing? Well, that was this? one of the like current times. Um, I wish I would have written because when I and I didn't because I was just enjoying the movie so much. But there, there's a lot, and even I was I actually was reading an article, uh, not about that, but it was, <laughs> it was actually going in, on men, uh, men, sorry, men reviewing the film, uh or noted reviewers, um, and she was stating how they just, this film completely went over their heads, and, because it is a story about women, you mm-hmm. know, and they, they didn't even, um, point to, they didn't really, like, point too much on Cleo's character, and we're focusing on other, like, parts really? of the film. Yeah. <laughs> Strange, because yeah. the only other man in there, yeah. you barely even see him. Exactly, and she notes that. She was all like, there was one uh, one critic who, who noted the doctor, who's barely in the film, but yeah. was speaking about him. But which speaks to our, like, the psyche that it's just like, oh, we should always note the men in the film. When they're, like... 
He didn't even matter in the slightest. I know. Not in the slightest. But I guess, yeah, we, I want to talk about the pregnancy and just uh, when she... Well, for me, it started... Why initially I thought the film was sad was when she's playing, uh, like, basically cowboys with the little kids. Uh, and then he's the little boy's like, I'm dead. Like, no, I can't. I don't want to talk to you. I'm dead. Or I can't talk to you. And then she goes to lie down. She's like, I'm dead, too. And then she's like, I like being dead. Mm-hmm. And I'm just... I'm like... Does it, like, does it ever get better? Yeah. Because <laughs> I feel like, oh, God, I'm going to sound depressing. <laughs> <laughs> Just do it. <laughs> but I feel like we always go through, like, small moments, even if it's, yeah, the, like, itty-bitty. We're just like, ugh, like, is dying just easier? Like, can I just do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, yeah. And that's why it made me sad, because that was very early on in the film. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, she's working for other people, not living really for herself. She's in this relationship that just seems like out of convenience. Um, Yeah. And that's her life, and I'm like, ugh. You just said you thought she enjoyed her life. I mean, later on in the film, and I, I mean, that probably... I mean, of course, the pregnancy probably, like, totally switched her her way of viewing life because that was a really life-changing moment. For anyone, that would, that would yeah. be a life-changing moment. But, yeah, I think you described that scene pretty well. And then, oh, but no, the scene that got to me was when she breaks down because throughout the whole film, she's just very, like, the stagnant mm-hmm. character, very put together. You know, she is supposed to be this fly on the wall. And she, even when she sees her, um, her, the woman she works for, completely break down multiple times. You know, she's, she's over here. She's going to raise a baby by herself and she's completely okay with that. She's going to be the strong, independent woman. Um, and yeah, and she's constantly, th- like, that is shoved in her face and she still doesn't break down and she doesn't break down till that beach scene mm-hmm. and then that's when I, it kind of got to me yeah just like, oh. oh my god I had totally forgotten about the beach scene how'd you forget you... about the beach scene listen it's been like a week and a half <laughs> since I watched this film and I have very bad memory but yeah my god yeah that beach scene was crazy yeah spoiler alert beach scene uh so she her baby dies and she holds her, her whatever. <laughs> Sorry, not whatever. She holds her baby and she says goodbye. And then I think it's been like a couple weeks since that moment happened. And they go to the beach. And the two little kids she's taking care of are basically drowning. And she can't swim either. But she goes in there and saves them, brings them back to shore. And then the mom comes uh, as they're all like crying, huddled up in a group, and she's comforting all of them, uh, she begins to break down, and she says, "You know, um, I can't remember word for word, but she says like I didn't want her, basically, yeah. like I didn't want the baby, and like I'm sure multiple women feel that way, um, and I would love to like talk to a woman about, I guess their experience, but I I know it would be very sad." <laughs> to yeah. hear but but I'm glad that he told the, that story because women can now like connect to that and be like I'm not the only one because there there are many women who feel that way I'm sure yeah oh my god yeah and just like I thinking of like her running into this also very dangerous situation for herself 
to save these children that aren't hers and just thinking of like she was able to save those children but she wasn't able to save her own like how como destroza el alma like how how that'll break her apart um yeah that part was very yeah and then probably thinking that it's her fault too because you know like yeah she willed it into the world somehow yeah what what do you remember if there was a specific scene in there that may have told like that she wasn't gonna have a baby or like you know how in some movies it's like um someone will be pregnant and they'll get punched in the stomach on accident and then they don't have their baby you know what i mean like was there do you remember if there was a scene like that i mean the only thing that i can think of is when she sees fermin like right before her water breaks and it's kind of like a shock point but it's not like Mm -hmm. but i mean in the way that kind of does foreshadow that the baby is not gonna live because you know he's like threatening their life Mm -hmm. just standing right in front of them with the with the gun and even I mean I don't know if you saw which I'm sure you did because you're very like technical like when you watch films I feel like um when they first uh no not when they first make out but when she tells him like I'm late and they're at the movie theater like right before no 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 right as Fermin leaves and he's like I'll, I'll be back I'm gonna go to the restroom or something uh an explosion occurs mm-hmm. and I'm yeah. like oh yeah it's doomed it's completely yeah. doomed this whole relationship. Yeah. God, he's such a... He's such a jerk. I didn't like him at all. But I think that even as, like... So for for the male characters in this story, you don't really see the doctor that much. Like, the only time you see him is... Wasn't he, like really awful at parking his car in his, like, (laughs) little driveway. And then, um, when he leaves. And then in another scene when Cleo is looking for the children and she, like, runs into him just, like, running around with some other woman, which was probably his mistress. Um, and then, again, like, him feigning interest in, like, the well-being of Cleo as she's I, yeah, going was, to give birth. Like, honestly, that was, like, the cringiest part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm glad he wasn't, like, yeah. in the... It, it would have made it too much about... I'm glad he wasn't in the room whenever she was giving birth because it would have been too much about, like, him and their relationship as opposed to, like, this very raw moment. But as, aside from that... The only other, like, male character that you really get to read is Fermin. And Fermin, correct me if I'm wrong, is, like, the epitome of just, like, machismo. Like, just, like, oh yeah, grossness. And, like, immediately, as soon as... Like, she didn't well, even have to say, I think I'm pregnant. Like, no, she was just like, I'm late. Yeah. And he just left. I mean, even when he did that, and this was also part of the article that I was reading, um, and I was like, actually, yeah, that kind of stated it pretty perfectly. Um, you know, when he was, I don't know, when he was demonstrating his... Yeah! <laughs> like, and his... Yeah. I, so he's really into martial arts or something, um, and he was showing her his moves, I guess, after they had sex for the first time. 
but what she states in her article is that it was kind of him showing like his dominance and how mm-hmm. um, aggressive he can be, uh, and yeah, it's kind of like his um, his dance of triumph, basically. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> like. Because I'm like, that was such a random moment. But it like, imagine does. having sex with a guy and then <laughs> him just standing there with his dingling out and just like doing some martial arts moves with what a shower, shower curtain, <laughs> shower up. Yeah. No, that's when you know it's a no. That's when you know you gotta call your Uber and get the <laughs> hell out of there. Cause that man ain't worth it. Yeah. No, that was a very. Like, yeah, that's the, the if, even if, if some men aren't as weird as that. That's what I'm saying. Like, when I think of a machismo man, I think of, like, I don't know, because I don't feel like he was that manly in a way. But he, but so, like, he, he was very much about his pride, yeah. like, which, which his skills in martial arts, I guess, portrayed his pride to everybody else right or like his skill um and then wanted nothing to do with a like i think he called her um some sort of like he called her a slut in oh, right. one way shape yeah. or form in spanish um just like thinking like that's not my child like go to hell and even went as far as like threatening to take away her life if she came after him like i think because if if she attached herself onto him, like, that would tie him down. Like, that... He wouldn't be able to do what he's doing already. Like, very selfish. Yeah. When yeah. I think of machismo, I, those elements are a part of it. Uh, there's no space for the consideration of, of women or of other people. It's yeah. just all about you, 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 and what your penis can do. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Even if it's flinging around with a fucking shower curtain rod. God, that was disgusting. <laughs> yeah, it was very cringy. So we talked a little bit about this in, I guess, my little synopsis, my little bad synopsis <laughs> of the film. But uh, Yalitza Apricio is the main actress who plays Cleo. Uh, and she is in, from an indigenous community. Um, and I think you said she was also from Oaxaca, right? Yeah, she's from Oaxaca, and she is Mixtec and Triki. Um, and this was her first acting role, but I think she's yeah. going to continue uh, acting. I think she has another film coming up. Yeah, this year. Oh, that's good. But um, I guess that kind of goes into kind of, like, the c- cultural significance of this film and how it is giving voices to people that normally wouldn't have such a big platform and I love that this movie is on Netflix because it can have it can reach a lot of people that normally wouldn't go to the theater because they don't want to spend money. Um, even though I do, even though they're recommend. spending money on a subscription <laughs> service. But I mean, yeah, I mean, if you could have watched this movie in a theater, I would recommend. But I don't think they're showing it anymore. They showed it. They showed it for a limited time, so it could be. Um, right. Yeah, I remember that. So it could. Um, what is it called? Be nominated for an Oscar. So and and it's getting a lot of award buzz as mm-hmm. we are recording this podcast. They had they have just won the Golden Globe for um 
best foreign language film. So yay, yay Roma! <laughs> Snap. But what do you think is the cultural significance of the movie? Or what do you think it's doing for just Latinx voices? Well, I think for one, the very clear, like, hits you right in the face theme or aspect of it is, like, involving indigenous people in films. Like, I think the only other film that I've seen um, on Netflix with indigenous characters is Ishkanum. Have you seen that film? Um, It's kind of a similar story, but the difference between... I think that the difference between, like, Roma and that film is that that film specifically... Um, centers around an indigenous community and an indigenous woman Um, whereas Roma is about Alfonso's like childhood through the lens of an indigenous woman so there's um, there's kind of similar but they're very different Um, so I think that that's one of the good things about this film is that we're having someone especially from Oaxaca being winning all of these awards and being in this very uh well produced and directed film and I don't think we've seen that before like yeah and from I don't I don't know much of uh Oaxaca or Mexico um, the south of Mexico, but I do know that, um, just from reading through the voices of, like, um, Oaxacan people, like, on social media and stuff, that there is this disconnect between, like, northern Mexicans and then Oaxacans, and even through, like, this project that I did where I interviewed, um, I did with Mujeres Malas, where we went to Monterrey, we interviewed this, this, um, uh, indigenous farmer who was from Oaxaca and his daughter was in public school and she was like, yeah, I get made fun of in school for being Oaxacan and they make fun of me for my skin tone and like, it's really annoying. And so, um, hopefully like through this film, like, especially like, I think that a lot of people don't or not a lot of people, but for the most part, like, people don't really think of the colorism and, like, anti-Indigenous feelings um, in Mexico. Yeah. Um, and they happen in other Latinx countries, too. But um, it, it's... That's something that I see that is very positive about this film, is that specifically a Oaxacan Indigenous woman is did an amazing job without any formal um, acting training. She's winning all of these awards. She spoke her native language because she actually does speak um, Mixteco in the film. And it's just like a huge win for Oaxacans, maybe. I I do have some... (laughs) I have seen a few little threads here and there of like people critiquing... um, indigenous representation in that film uh, I don't really remember what they said but I at least for me like I don't really think that this film was was really about that um, 
it was more so about like his childhood, the life of yeah. my maid. Like you know what I mean, which yeah. is which is probably a critique. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of well questionable, yeah. but um, but it, I mean you can kind of see it as like kind of a love letter to his nanny. Yeah, you know. Yeah, and he painted her in like the best light that he could, while still making a beautiful movie. Yeah, and a compelling movie. Yeah, so that that's what I think is probably one of the biggest takeaways from this film. Is yeah, no, for sure. I 100% agree. Including more yeah. indigenous. And yeah, like people. you said, showing that like colorism that goes on in Mexico and other um, Central South American uh, countries. Because yeah, Americans, I mean, you see that divide here between mm-hmm. whites and and minorities but yeah i mean it's still a very much a thing in in mexico and everywhere else yeah where you have like colored people yeah you you have yeah you have uh, yeah there's this like umbrella that brown people identify with but but there's so much colorism and racism and anti just indigenous yeah feelings which is sad because those communities that's our roots we should even we should be seeking them out being like what you you know like what are your traditions like trying to get that out there since it is so just small and i don't know yeah it's even (laughs) even like just thinking of um, this new, I forget the name of it, but this new Netflix original that's coming out, um, that I think is about witchcraft and I'm going to be so wrong about this probably, but it's either in Cuba or Colombia, like one of those starting with the C and um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> Costa Rica. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and it, um, the, the protagonist is Afro Latina, like that, that is very important because you have you have all of these people thinking that Latinx people are just this like either very pale or like this caramel color um and it's like no like yeah there are indigenous people in Latin America there are afro latinos there are asian latinx people yeah. um latinx is just an ethnicity like it's not a race like we yeah. we we are very different. Like, even you and me, like, yeah. we're very different. Um, <laughs> we don't all look the same, literally. No, straight up. And and I think that's a, that's something that Latinx people need to realize for themselves, too. Yeah. Like, when you're over here, like, uh, yeah, for la raza or whatever, <laughs> like, you have to realize that you are also, like, while you're talking about Latin pride or whatever amongst yourselves, like, that also includes... Afro Latinos and yeah. or Afro Latinx people and Asian Latinx people and Indigenous people. Yeah. That's my spiel. Okay. <laughs> go off. <laughs> go off, girl. But yeah, I mean, I mean, and it's good that these directors like Alfonso are getting uh, what's due to them, kind of in a way. Well, I think it's due to them. <laughs> but and what's his name? Guillermo, sorry. Mm. Sorry, I had a brain fart. 
Guillermo del Toro won uh, action, Best Director for Best Film last year at the Academy Awards, so maybe that can happen again this year. But I don't know. There's a lot of strong movies this year. But yeah, um, just seeing that... <laughs> Just seeing that more uh, Latinx voices are being heard um, is really awesome, and I wish they share more Latinx stories. Uh, and yeah, even though they're both Mexican, like we we need to get more more directors out there. But mm-hmm. but I'm glad that there's there they're there. I will say, I'm I'm still waiting for the moment where a Latinx woman of color. Oh yeah, is, is up there, um, director, because uh, these are all like white Mexican men. <laughs> well, I mean, oh, women, men, women have a long way to come, but we're gonna get there. I mean, just I last year, I think was the first time that a woman director at the Academy Awards was nominated in like twenty some years. So, of course, she was white, but <laughs> mm. but we're gonna get there. <laughs> <laughs> currently looking at my watch like hmm, waiting I know but that would be amazing and I'm sure that they would tell amazing stories but I mean yeah. and not to go back to German cinema because I do want to make a an episode just about German cinema or about the certain period of the GDR um because there's a lot of amazing films about women and you wouldn't think so and you think that that's a time where people are actually very restricted and not really progressive but some of the most progressive films that I have seen for that time like it just it blew my mind because those films could be made today and a lot of them were from either women directors or uh were based around women's stories so that's where it's at, y'all. <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. But what about the... you? What do you think is the is the biggest cultural significance, significance of of this of film? film? Well, no, I agree. I think that's the biggest one. No, you can't um, write off of my. What do you mean? You I, I can't. <laughs> there must be something. I mean, that's like the biggest thing. Like, telling their voices. I mean, getting indigenous people's um, stories out there. Um, and like I said, just, yeah, like, women's stories. Because we're, ba- we're barely in, like, Hollywood media. And I know this is a, a Mexican movie or, yeah, um, technically. But, um, yeah, we don't have, like, Hollywood does not have real women's stories at all. Like, it's, it's bullshit. <laughs> And I think, I think actually, I guess that would be not, not so much, I don't know if it's a cultural significance, but it's a significance that, uh, this, 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 and with like Lady Bird last year, um, that are getting like a lot of acclaim, just even with popularity among viewers and now the, the Academy. (laughs) (laughs) The Academy. Um, yeah, it's showing people that like. Like I said, German people know. Oh my god! That no, that these stories do need to be told, and 
that there is an audience for them because most of the times, like, these stories weren't shared because it's like, oh, nobody's gonna watch them. And Netflix shows that, you know, this, this is one of the more popular films on Netflix, you know, that people are watching these films and people do want to hear stories about women, starring women, you know. Eventually made by women. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> I mean, we want it now, but we know it's going to take some time. <laughs> no, yeah. 100%. I think... I want I want to know what you think. So what do you think of... of um, I want to just go back to these historical references that we were talking about earlier. Is that... Is that is that too much? No, I just can't pinpoint, like, exactly what I was thinking. But I know I thought it throughout the movie. But I just, I didn't, I know the little boy, because that one, I think, just hit me. And I actually wrote that one down. That's why I remember <laughs> Um, But, um, I guess, just even showing that, that, uh, power difference well like what i was saying that like her story is coming to the forefront and she's not she's supposed to be a woman that's not cared about so it's um like the kind of mexico with this wall is kind of uh being portrayed as like we're the villains and um there should be a barrier between us and them whatever that means you know but creating that barrier does make a divide between that, even though there is already a barrier there. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, um, well, that to me kind of, I guess, makes a statement against that, you know? Um, by showing that these are real people that you're villainizing, you know? And by making her the hero, it it kind of gives you that, like, reference point of, um, we're all people, you know? You shouldn't. Yeah, it, like, humanize, it humanizes real Mexicans and instead of painting this, them in this, they're all rapists, they're all gang members. Yeah. Sort of like, like, the same narcos. <laughs> oh my god! This is I real. Fucking, I fucking hate that. I mean, okay, the show was good. I saw that, but it's again just going into the stereotype of oh yeah, they're all drug dealers. Mm-hmm. They all brought cocaine over here, and I fucking watched the stupid ass movie. Um, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, go <laughs> off. I love it. Your cheeks are red. You're so mad right now. But it, it oh, and I forgot the movie. But it starred Tom Cruise, and it wasn't that long ago. But he was portraying this real life person who was a white American man who was hired on by the CIA to do, I don't know why I was, I wasn't paying too much attention to it, but he was hired on by the CIA. Oh, actually it was to send guns to a militia in Mexico to start that Mm, off. mm -hmm. But by doing that, we haven't heard that before. (laughs) Exactly. They got, um, uh, he was forced, well, not really forced. He was being paid off and he, kept doing it, to bring drugs over here, and they're all like, oh, so many drugs were brought over here in the 80s, and all these, like, um, Cubans and Mexicans were responsible for this drug cartel thing, but no, it's this white man bringing over here, like, tons and tons and tons of cocaine. 
And and oh, the thing that pissed me off was that he's he was the hero. He was a mm, fucking hero, mm-hmm. of course. <laughs> and you got Tom Cruise over here, like white ass, like ugh. It just, um, I hated it. <laughs> I hated that film. I love it when you get angry. Because <laughs> it's rare. It's very rare, and also it's funny. <laughs> But yeah, like, why Why was he seen as a hero? You know, Irwin, mm-hmm. and this one isn't that real, but um, when Johnny Depp did Blow, you know, that the film is called Blow, and he's, like, this huge cocaine dealer, you know? He's just, like, this cool person. And of course, like, he's white, you know? Like, no. Mm-mm. Mm-hmm. I hate I it. I guess drugs are only cool when, like, white people deal with them, yeah. or they become heroes. Damn. Yeah, uh, well, I wasn't expecting for you to go down that rabbit hole, but, um, I do agree that really any, any creative piece that comes from Latinx people that expresses a story that is not very, quote-unquote, popular with, or... I mean, you have to think about why these shows and these movies are popular with people. That That's what people want to think of. Or, like, it, it's kind of, like, fulfilling this idea that people have of Mexicans, right? Like, that's why Narcos is so popular. And, like, you have these two movies that you just talked about that are, are popular, too. Um, yeah. Mm. Well, it's because that seed was embedded, you know, like, so long ago. It's just like, yeah, these, these Mexicans are... It's just are... this, the, yeah, this, like, stereotype that's being proven, right, mm-hmm. through through media. And no matter how much, like, yeah, we're like, those are just movies, like, whatever. Like, movies and literature and just, like, even music and art is very telling of whatever time period it, it comes from, um... And even serves as, like, little, uh, I guess kind of, like, I'm doing this hand <laughs> gesture, because I can't really think of, of what I'm trying to say, but they, they serve as, like, little capsules that you can look at, and, and, like, for example, your German cinema, like, you can study that, even though it was produced, like, in the past, and you already know, like, you can tell what kind of ideas and um just the cultural atmosphere at that time and that's what media does for us and I think that it's super important and also very awesome that um Roma is is getting all of these awards because it's you're having a a film that is like humanizing Mexicans and an indigenous woman yeah and it's not it, it, it's not about, I don't know, like, poverty or, like, drugs or whatever MS-13 <laughs> bullshit, like, um, even though it's a Mexican film, but you know what I mean. Like, yeah. it, it's not about that. It's just, just a woman trying to live out her life. Just, just Cleo trying to, Cleo. Trying just to Cleo. Live it up. Trying to live. Yeah. Yeah. So, um... 
I was really mainly talking more so about the protest, like what you thought about that, <laughs> but that's fine too. <laughs> well, yeah, no, I mean, the protest, actually, that whole scene was, um, well, I didn't know. It was crazy, yeah. right? Had you, did you know what that was when you were watching it? So, I did not, but and I... I knew that it it was a reference to some just like I something. Mean, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. like I, I knew it was a reference, so I immediately looked it up yeah. while I was watching it. <laughs> you did a while. Well. Yeah, did yeah. I immediately because I was so intrigued, um, and yeah, I like it was awesome. Like, do you you already know what the well? Yeah, I mean, even about, that. Right? Yeah, that. I think also, again, th- okay, I guess that speaks, like, to today's time that um, people are kind of being silenced. And I don't, of course, we talk so much about free speech, but in the, I don't want to say outside world, but outside countries, like Mexico, especially, is one of the, um, I guess, highest countries where journalists, journalism um, is being shunned out by the and, and journalists are actually being killed um, by the government, and that's clearly seen in this film, even though, I mean, it's super topical mm-hmm. to, for today's terms, um, that they were silencing students for protesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can even talk, kind of, I mean, I don't know, it might be a stretch, but you can kind of correlate it to today's, um, just here in America, with social media, that we're not, everybody's putting their opinion out there, and you don't really have, um, like, you can find your own opinion and you just can kind of, there's a term for it, but you're basically just consuming your own opinion and it, you're just, you're, you think you're right because you're just consuming that same thing, you know, you're not looking to other sources, so you're just feeding into your own ego at that point. You think that's censoring in some, some well, yeah, because you're, you're not... that's, like... Not censoring. Like, I think that's, like... S- well, continue. I guess... Not... Se- okay. Um, but I guess, in a way, censoring in that you're not getting outside opinions or different opinions because you're just consuming one thing. So, uh, I don't know if I would say it's censorship. It's not censorship. But, but it's, like, self-imposed yeah. censorship, almost. Like, you... You just want to hear what makes you feel like you're right. Exactly. So that's similar yeah. to the Soka, <laughs> the Soka and the protest. Well, I was. That's why I said it's kind of a stretch, you know, in that like, um, it, people are being silenced, and because um, you're okay. I guess you're just hearing one narrative, you know. Like mm-hmm. people choose to hear one narrative, and everything else is a lie. You know, and so that's kind of just what it is. You know, if you are Republican or Democrat, you know, you're just, I don't want to make this political. <laughs> <laughs> Bitch, we're just already made there. <laughs> Bitch, um, everything we do is just political. Seeking, you're just seeking, you know, comfort <laughs> into the, the things that you want to hear. And everything else is a lie. And with the protest, um, he was... He, I, I forget the, the dude that was in, in power at that time. It was, I know his name, Gustavo Diaz Ordaz. Yeah. 
um, he didn't want to hear that he was wrong. And these students were, you know, were telling him that what he was doing wasn't right. And he's like, no, I'm going to shut you up, literally, and kill you. <laughs> and straight up murder you. Yeah. yeah. And they were just protesting over, like, ending the one-party rule in Mexico. Yeah. They just wanted some representation. And there you go. Yeah. Can we end this two-party system? <laughs> Not making yeah. things fun. Right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, hmm. This is for another right. episode. <laughs> <laughs> we could watch um the purge election day and then just talk about <laughs> no the two party system and everything that has to do with american elections that's a good segue right <laughs> that's a good segue into us ending this podcast yeah. um it was a little all over the place but i kind of really liked it so um let us know what you think this was the Chicas Who Read podcast, uh, where we talked about Roma. I'm Jocelyn. And I'm Jess. And again, we want to give a shout out to Chris for making that dope-ass music <laughs> for us in our intro and our outro. Um, but to you, so we've set up a schedule. I think we're going to post uh, bi-weekly and every Thursday. So uh, Not every Thursday, every, so every other, other Thursday. Thursday. Yeah, so catch us on... Oh, so we're now on Damn! Spotify. Okay. <laughs> okay. We're on Spotify. We're on Apple Podcasts. So basically, anywhere you could find podcasts or majority uh, on the main one, main podcast yeah. sites. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Anchor. And there's like three other things. That <laughs> there's I can't like remember. three other ones that, you know. <laughs> I don't know people who use them, but yeah. they exist, which they is great. Exist. They're another platform. Uh, but yeah, uh, please let us know what you think of our episodes. Yes. Um, it'd be really nice to hear some feedback. Also, if you have any suggestions for books or films or articles or shows, we're thinking about getting into some shows maybe in the future. If, if we don't watch it or read it, don't get butt hurt. But um <laughs> Yeah, give us some suggestions for things to read into um, that you would like to hear us talk about. Yeah, and follow us on social medias. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Chicas Who Read. And if you want to find our podcast, you just type in Chicas Who Read and we pop up. Yeah. So with that, thank you for listening. We'll see you guys next time. Thanks.